Our reading this evening is 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and the first verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet as are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open, You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In 1 Kings, the prophet Elijah is living among the people of Israel at a terrible time. They have a terrible king and an even more terrible queen, king and queen Ahab and Jezebel, who built altars to false gods, who misled the people into idolatry. They were wicked and terrible and unjust, and they were devastating to the people of Israel. And Elijah was tasked with the difficult job of proclaiming God's word to a people who did not want to hear it to people who wanted to worship the false gods, who wanted to listen to their king and their queen. Elijah's job was to tell them the truth. But he was powerful because he had God and God's spirit at work in him. He was powerful and he was not put to shame. So there's an amazing episode that happens when Ahab is pursuing Elijah and Elijah says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a contest to see which god is the stronger god. All of your prophets, your false prophets to the false god Baal, they'll build their altar and we'll see if their god will accept their sacrifice. Meanwhile, I'll build my altar to my god, the true god, and we'll see if he accepts 
my sacrifice. It's not much of a battle. 450 prophets going around an altar pleading with Baal that he would listen to them and he doesn't hear a word because, of course, he cannot hear. He can't act. He's a false god. He's empty and vain. Belial, that's what that word means. It means worthless and vain. That's the kind of god that they worship. And when Elijah prayed to his God, to the Lord God Almighty, he prayed to him to send down fire from heaven to consume his sacrifice. Just like that, the Lord listened and answered. And once and for all, you would think the matter had been decided. Clearly, the Lord is God. And Baal and all of the false prophets, they'd been proven to be frauds. When Elijah confronts the situation, he says to the people of Israel, How long will you go on limping between two opinions. How long are you going to go on acting as though you can be the people of God and worship a false god? Which is a good question for any Christian to consider. We've heard about money this last weekend, this last Sunday. How long will Christians go on limping between these two gods, between the true God, the maker of heaven and earth, and the God, the false god, Mammon? How long will you go on limping between these two opinions? It's a good question. The Lord God will admit of no competitors. There's no one else that can hold a candle to his power, to his might, to his authority. But there's also, more importantly, no one who can hold a candle to his goodness and his love. And so, serve him alone. That's the message that Elijah brings. And it is the message that Paul is bringing also today. As he addresses the Corinthians, he's concerned that they're kind of limping between two opinions. They've had some false teachers come into the congregation. We've heard about them over the last several weeks. This false teachers who have been raising some questions about Paul. Is that guy really who he says he is? We don't know about this Paul guy. We don't know what he's up to or what he's about. He's doing some strange things. He speaks so plainly. He doesn't hide things. He tells us openly what he thinks. He's harsh with us. We don't know what to think about him. We don't know if we like him. That's how the Corinthians thought. They weren't sure about Paul. And he spent the first five chapters of the book of 2 Corinthians explaining to them that they shouldn't be surprised by who he is and what he does. They have everything that they need to know in order to make sense of his behavior. It's kind of like the people of Israel. At the foot of Mount Sinai, when Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days, they know what they need to know to trust in God. He brought them across the Red Sea. He saved them from Pharaoh. What is there yet for them to learn about him? They know everything they need to know. The only reason they doubt God and they doubt Moses is because of the creeping unbelief in their heart. God has proven himself to be true. Moses was proven to be God's prophet. Paul, Paul was proven to be the apostle and evangelist of the gospel. He came to the Corinthians preaching the message of Jesus crucified for them for the forgiveness of their sins, and they believed him. And their lives were changed. Their hearts were changed. They were brought out of darkness and into the marvelous light of God. They were taken from death and given a promise of resurrection. They believed him. They knew everything they needed to know. And Paul makes his case plainly. All of these chapters leading up to this point in 2 Corinthians, he's made his case. He says, I I never sold you anything. I'm not a peddler of God's word. I wasn't looking for something in exchange. These aren't wares. These aren't goods that you could pay a price for. You believed it, and look at what you believed. A brand new life. A new covenant. Promises from God. 
light and a fragrance to those who are being saved. That's what he describes it as. It's like coming out of the shadows, out of the darkness, out of a stinky, terrible dungeon into light and openness and beauty. That's what happened when the Corinthians listened to Paul and they believed the gospel. They knew what they needed to know. And they also knew that it wasn't according to the things that the world counts precious. It wasn't because Paul was a really good speaker or because he was wise according to the world or rich or powerful. In fact, Paul says, this message, this treasure that we have, it's in jars of clay. Look at me, Paul says. Look at all that I suffer. I get thrown in jail. I get beaten up. I get stoned and left for dead. They, they start riots when I start preaching. I'm shipwrecked. I'm left for all kinds of disaster on the road. People hate what I'm saying. It's terrible. It's treasure in jars of clay. It's not a glamorous thing. But that didn't matter to you, Paul says, when you first believed it. Because you're walking by faith and not by sight. This is a message that is to be believed and not seen. You're new creatures, new creations, created by the love of Christ. Paul says you know what you need to know. Don't listen to those people who are saying that my gospel is no good. It's not my gospel. It's God's gospel. It's his son who was raised from the dead. That's what you need to know. And Paul goes so far even today to say that our commendation, my commendation as an apostle, is in fact not my strength but my weakness. My heart is wide open to you, he says. I'm not hiding anything you can see. What I'm willing to suffer for your sake. And so, why do you go on limping between these two opinions, Paul says? Widen your hearts also. He's inviting them back to believe once again what they had once believed. He's inviting them back to commit themselves, to dig deeper, to love more thoroughly, to treasure more dearly the word and promises of God. Do not go on limping between two opinions. Do not be unequally yoked, Paul says, with unbelievers. It's a pretty vivid picture. If you take two animals and you yoke them together and one of them is weak or frail or injured or sick, it's going to drag the whole thing down. Do not be unequally yoked with those who are full of unbelief. That is to say, do not throw in your lot with the unbelievers because they will rob you of your faith. The false teachers who are detractors of Paul, who are saying evil things about him, don't listen to them. In fact, Paul says, purge them from your midst. Don't have anything to do with them. They're dragging you down. They're obscuring the gospel. They're taking away from you this precious and glorious light. Don't listen to their beautiful speech. Don't credit them because they are rich or powerful or sound wise. Paul says this one thing is what matters. The righteousness of God gospel of the forgiveness of sins given to you for Christ's sake. It's light versus darkness. It's Christ who is all in all versus Belial, worthlessness, something that is fading away. It's the believer's portion, a portion of eternal life versus the unbeliever's portion, a portion in eternal death. What do those two things have to do with each other? What does the temple of God, Paul says, have to do with a temple to idols? Nothing. They have nothing in common. They are not even remotely the same. And so, do not go on limping between these two opinions. But instead, be sons and daughters of the Lord Almighty. God wants to make you and keep you as his children. He does not want you to be of this world. He does not want you to be friends with this world and so to suffer the fate of this world. He wants you to listen to his word and his promises 
and to treasure in your hearts what he gives to you because he is the only wise, powerful, and good God. Excuse me. There are none who can hold a candle to what Paul offers, what God offers to you. And Paul is showing this clearly to the Corinthians. And it should be clear to us as well. What a glorious thing that we possess. We don't deserve it by any stretch of the imagination. We don't deserve to be here, in this place, on any day, nor as often as we can, to hear God's word, to be reminded again and again of his promises, to receive again and again his blessings, to learn more and more all the time of his great love for us. Let us spend our days and our whole lives not limping between two opinions, but instead striving to search out the depths of God's riches and wisdom for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.